Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Keep It 100 with Dakota and Chorsey. This is an amazing episode of The Buzzer Beat, our game show interview series that we're doing on our show. I am honored to have a true giant and legend as our next special guest. This gentleman is the host of the host with the most podcast. This is a weekly interview show about conversations that just entertain as well as inform. He is also an author of three books that he's written and is also an award-winning TV personality and has hosted some of my favorite game shows I've watched since I was a kid, including Whammy, The All-New Pressure Luck, Hollywood Showdown, The Monopoly Millionaires Club, Powerball Instant Millionaire, The Price is Right Live Stage Show, and Family Game Night. It is an honor to introduce to you all Mr. Todd Newton. Todd, thank you so much for being on the show, sir. You are too kind, my friend. It's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, my goodness. I, The moment I got your email, I must admit, I called my mother. That was the first person I called. I was like, Mom, I cannot <laughs> begin to explain to you what I just had happen to me. It felt like a dream come <laughs> true, honestly. Um, How is your mom? Mom's uh, all right? Mom's oh, good? Mom is doing well. Dad is doing okay. They're back at home. So my family is from Ohio. I live in Indiana. Uh, so we talk uh, on the phone a lot. We do a lot of video chat and things like that just to stay in touch. Good. And good, good. I, you know, I'm an only child. And so they, they love to hear when I have these little small successes in my life. And I was like, oh, this is not a small success by any means. This is very big for me. Um, well, I, I love what you're doing. I love um, meeting people who are keeping uh, game shows alive and at the forefront, you know, there are so many different uh, avenues that today's viewer or listener can go down when they want entertainment that, uh, you know, whenever I have the opportunity to, to kind of, you know, keep the limelight on game shows, I, I, I don't ever want to miss it. You know, game shows changed my life. Game shows were there for me when I was a child. And uh, I have very fond memories of, of watching The Price is Right with my grandmother, who was one of the most important people in my life. And, uh, you know, so to be able to be a part of that franchise with the live touring show um, for the 20 years that I was, was was a real thrill for me. But it's game shows are really something special and they just have a real unique way of bringing people together. I was lucky enough when I was in college at Ohio State to be able to attend um, the Price is Right Live. And uh, Mark L. Wahlberg was actually our host the day uh -huh. that I went. Um, and I remember going into the theater because I grew up, such as yourself, watching Prices Right for years. And I'm like, I'm curious about how do you recreate this magic? How do you recreate what I've been seeing on on this TV show for years in this theater? Like, it just it yeah. did not make sense. And I was sitting there with one of my college roommates. And before I knew it, the lights went dim. The spotlights came up on the stage. And the music started playing and it was like a light switch just turned on and everybody just understood like we were here to have fun. Yeah. And it is such an addictive energy that I've, I've never felt again in my life since then, to be honest, such an amazing yeah, experience. It, um, you know, 20 years went by so quickly um, being a part of that show. And I, I remember when, um, when it started back in 2000, late, late 2001, I believe it was the fall of, of 2001. Um, 
I was going to tapings of The Price is Right two, sometimes three times a week um, just to watch Bob Barker. Uh, because I, I knew at that point, uh, that was right when I was hosting Whammy, and I knew at that point that uh, game shows were what I wanted to do. They somehow brought everything I loved about working in television together, uh, the live feel, uh, sharing the stage with a contestant when they win a lot of money or a great prize, and the fact that you only do it once, you know, in game shows, you can't go back and recreate a moment. You, you, have to, you have to live that moment as it is, win, lose, or draw. And no one did it better than Bob Barker. So I, I knew that if I was really going to give it everything I had, I had to watch the very best. And I grew up in St. Louis, and Bob is a big St. Louis Cardinals fan, and he got married in St. Louis, and St. Louis is one of his favorite towns. So he kind of took a, a shine to me and, and let me stay after, and he would you know, talk to me about certain contestants or certain moments from that show. And it allowed me to really see things and, and engage in the moment that helped me do the live show. And when the live show was created, it started in a little theater in Reno, Nevada, you know, uh, and Bob is is not a fan of gambling. He's anti-gambling. So he said, well, put this kid in. You know, this kid knows the games. And two weeks became two months, which, you know, hence became, you know, the show is still going. I'm not a part of it anymore, but the show is still going on. And, and uh, this past uh, November, we were doing a show in Reno again in a much bigger theater. And I remember being on that stage and it was such such a great show. Uh, they say you're only as good as your last show, you know, and I, I remember being on that stage and everything coming full circle, me saying to myself, this is where it started. This is where this chapter of my career should end with the good people of Reno, Nevada, the sold out show. People want a lot of money. And um, you're right. I, I, I left the party while it was still going. But as I walked off that stage for the last time, I was feeling the energy you're speaking of. I, I was listening to the music. I was listening to the audience. I was seeing people down at our producer's table filling out the prize forms for what they had won. And I knew that, that, that we had done it. We had captured that magic that had been on television for over 50 years. And it's indescribable. Um, you either, you know, it's like a White Castle cheeseburger. You either live for it or it doesn't mean anything to you. Uh, that's how game shows are. That's why people are so passionate about it. It's pretty much all or nothing. Mm -hmm. And uh, and we gave it our all. They still do. They're still out there on the road doing it. Um, and, but yeah, the, the to be able to capture that magic was really something unique. And, uh, you know, it was like uh, it was like being granted a, a, a wish from a genie in a bottle to be able to do that. So I I'm curious about what got you into game shows. We talked a little bit about you grew up watching The Price is Right uh, when you were a child, but how did you yeah. get introduced into working in game shows? Well, I was uh, I was working as a host on E! Entertainment Television. I was there for uh, 12 or 13 years, and we were doing a shoot in uh, Barcelona, Spain. And I remember I came back to my hotel room, and I had a message from my agent at the time and uh, she's, you know, the message was to call her. So I called her and she said, listen, I know you were planning on staying in Spain for a couple of days after your shoot, but I really think you should get back. There's an audition I would suggest you don't miss. 
and it was for uh, it was for a show that was created by the great Sandy Stewart, who has become my game show guru. Uh, Sandy and Bob opened every door for me, um, and made me the game show host that that I am. You know, as you know, obviously I'm not the perfect host, but those guys polished me up as best they could. And the show was Hollywood Showdown. And working for Sandy Stewart for, we did, um, oh man, I think close to 150, 175 episodes of that show. And then later he and I worked together on Instant Millionaire. We're working together on a new project now. Uh, just to have someone like that in your corner who will take the time to uh, show you what you could do better and what maybe you should never do again or say again is invaluable. Uh, you know, it's like learning to shoot free throws from Michael Jordan. You know, there was there was nobody better to learn from. And Sandy has been a mentor and a, a friend now for going on, you know, uh, 25 years. So uh, when Sandy introduced me to Hollywood Showdown and I, I stood on that stage, we were over at the Sony lot there in Culver City, the same stage where they shot, maybe they still do, but at the time where they were shooting Wheel of Fortune. And I knew that that was where I was supposed to be. I felt comfortable there. I felt at home there. Um, it took me back to being in front of a live audience. Uh, I enjoyed games, so I kind of knew the nuances, the characteristics of a game show host. And uh, you know, my style has always been a little bit Richard Dawson, a lot of Bob Barker, maybe some Dick Clark and Gene Rayburn thrown in there sprinkle it with whatever Todd happens to learn on that particular day and and you just go with it. And uh, you know, when when Hollywood Showdown ended, Whammy was right there and then Price is Right Live came along and I just uh, I never looked back. Man, oh, that is amazing to hear how you have been able to build this career. I mean, this is this is my life goal, right? That's ultimately what you just talked about is yeah. what I'm working on trying to do with my life. So hearing how you were able to accomplish that is so inspiring. I feel like I could go out and attack the world and do whatever it is I needed to do. Um, well, you sh you know, I, I'm glad. And, and we should all feel like that whenever there's something we really want to do, whenever there's something we're passionate about. You know, the, uh, the entertainment, we just rescued a new cat here named Dean Martin. So he's going to be jumping up trying to get some camera time. Here. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, whenever the world, whenever you're passionate about something, you know, you've got no choice but to put the pedal to the metal and go for it. Um, you know, I, I'm not one who believes in failure or, or if I do, it doesn't phase me. Um, there have always been things that I've wanted to do. There are things that I want to do now. Um, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated with the medium of podcasting. I'm fascinated with uh, the the opportunities that YouTube opens up for for every type of entertainer or speaker or entrepreneur or content creator, and so now I want to you know I want to pursue that. I, I, the world has changed because of COVID; it's become more virtual, and and for people like us, that's great. Doing what you do and doing what I do to be able to do it out of our homes, or you know, if we're in a hotel somewhere. What a gift. You know, when I started in radio back in the early in 91, man, it, you know, it didn't matter what the weather was like. I had to get in my car and drive to that radio station in the middle of the night and do my show for who knows how many people were listening. And, you know, I had sales managers and program directors and, 
you know, uh, uh, CEOs and, and all these people giving their two cents. And now we're in control of our content. We're the ones that decide what goes on and what goes by the wayside. And the audience gets to be the judge. They'll tell you if they like what you're doing. And if they don't, you got to change it and you got to give them what they want. So it's, um, it's, it's a great time to be an entertainer. It's a great time to be a broadcaster, a great time to be a content creator. And, uh, you know, passion is what's behind all of it. That's so very true. Um, a little backstory about how Keep It 100 was formed. Our show was honestly born out of the fact I host the show with my co-host and my best friend from college, Dakota Drown. And um, basically, I moved to Indiana away from my friends and family. I was uh, pursuing a different career aspect, career path that I was looking forward to. And the day I moved was kind of the day the government shut everything down. Um, yeah. And so we were both theater majors at Ohio State. So I miss being on stage. I miss being creative, performing, and making people happy, seeing people smile. Um, so Dakota and I were just working on, we need something to do. You know, We're trying to find something that nourishes that creative energy, that creative flow. And um, one of our friends had been talking about a couple podcasts that they had been listening to. And Dakota and I sat down and talked about it. I was like, well, we have some stories to tell. We think, you know, we have a voice that we would like others to hear and maybe they'll accept it. Maybe they won't. And now our show was running a little over a year now, which is not something we expected when we started. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, it, it's led me to this point in my life right now. So I, I believe, like you said, everything happens for a reason. And if you continue to just set yourself up on the path and make the correct decisions you need to make, you can do anything you want. You just got to work for it. It's true. It's, um, you know, I, I often compare life to a game of pool. You know, pool is not about sinking the, you know, the four ball into the corner pocket. The pool is about setting yourself up for the next shot. And that's kind of what I've always done. It's what I tell my kids. You know, it's it's about making sure you parlay this into that because nothing lasts forever. And quite frankly, um, you don't want things to to go on for too, too long. Um, you got to keep th things fresh. And that's, you know, very, very important. Um, you know, podcasting is the new frontier. This is going to be the way people get their information, their entertainment, their inspiration. And I think it's outstanding, you know, to be able to to deliver it right to people's phones so they can listen to whenever they want. Such a gift. You know, we're doing this on this particular day, but somebody might not listen to it for three or four weeks, which is great because that might be when they need to hear it. So um, it's just it's it, it's a wonderful time to be doing what we're doing. So it's uh, I'm glad we're not missing the boat. <laughs> All righty. Let's take a quick break. going on y'all as you've heard choice and i talk about our podcast is hosted by anchor by spotify if you haven't heard about it it's the easiest way to make a podcast it has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your computer or even your phone you can distribute your podcast to all the listening platforms like spotify obviously apple podcast and so much more it is really everything you need in one place and Best of all, it's totally free. If you've been looking for that one sign to start a podcast, this is it. 
download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, and we're back. So, Todd, I have to ask this question um, because, like I said, growing up and watching you, I mean, the major reason we had GSN and Game Show Network was primarily because of you. I mean, I <laughs> watching Whammy, I mean, I grew up even watching the original Pressure Luck, trying to find various clips of it. So then seeing this right. reimagined version of Pressure Luck was like, oh my goodness. And then like having the double whammies and like the ability to have like these weird slime almost type of elements yeah. that made it more comical. Yeah. Um, yeah. What were some of the highlights for you when it came to taping that show? Because that ran for quite a while. Yeah, it did. Um, well, I think the highlight was just being a part of that Pressure Luck franchise. You know, I was a fan, uh, you know, I was 14, 15 years old when the original with uh, the late great Peter Tamarkin ran on on CBS, and, and everybody was a fan of that show. Big bucks, no whammies was a, a, a phrase that you know was very commonplace in, in in the American culture and pop culture. I mean, it was we just all knew it. Um, so when they were bringing that show back, um, I was honored to audition for it. I was honored to be able to shoot a pilot for it, and I was certainly honored to be named as the host of it. And an interesting story, you know, uh, Peter Tamarkin and I each shot a pilot for Whammy, the all-new Pressure Like We each did one on the very same day. Uh, it was the first time I had ever met Peter. He could not have been more of a gentleman, class act through and through. And they shot two pilots and they sent it out to the focus group. You know, did the focus group want to bring back what they were familiar with in the eighties or did they want to bring back the concept and kind of spice it up with a different host and, and the, the new uh, features that you mentioned. And fortunately, you know, listen, not every gig you go out for, for is going to fall in your lap, but that one did. And, and it was, it was a really great, two and a half, three years. The show still runs on, on GSN. Uh, I can tune in in the mornings and see myself. And, and I laugh because, you know, the, the guy that's looking back at me from my television set is only a few years older than my son is now, which, you know, is, is pretty humorous, but, um, it was just a wonderful set to be on, uh, Bob Bowden and Kevin Bellenkoff. Uh, Jeff Merkin, there were a lot of great game show minds behind that because when you're going to tweak a classic, that's a very delicate dance. It could it could really go wrong, uh, but those guys were meticulous in in their in their work on it, and it was a great time to be a game show network because they were taking chances. They were creating original shows, uh, friend or foe. Uh, greed with with Chuck Woolery, Cram with Graham Elwood, um, and they were really putting their money where their mouth was. They were they were going all out and really creating some quality stuff. So it, the timing was just right. It was a great time to be on that show, and I'm thrilled that the show is back on on, on primetime. Uh, Elizabeth is a wonderful host for that. Elizabeth Banks, I don't know her personally. I shouldn't call her by her first name, but Elizabeth Banks is a, an outstanding host. It's great to see uh, that the show still has life and still has wheels and that people are still people are still enjoying it. And I think they see the new version. They go back and they see our version and clips of the classics on of the classic, the original on YouTube. 
And um, it just goes back to what you and I were talking about at the beginning, you know, just keeping keeping game shows at the forefront. I think that's what's important. I have a, my next question was going to be asking about, have you seen the new reboot? And I, I think it does such a nice job of paying homage to the two versions beforehand. And it still yeah. it has this excitement that almost feels like it's a brand new show. Um, and, it, you know, such yeah. a simple concept, but it's it's executed so well. It is. And I think Elizabeth Banks gets a lot of the credit for that. Um, you know, when you're at the helm of a game show, the number one thing to keep in mind is that the show is the star. The show, you, no host will ever be bigger than the show itself. And, uh, and that is so vital. And Elizabeth does a great job of letting the whammy be the star, letting the contestants be the star, letting, you know, with, with press your luck, you've got the benefit of drama, intrigue, the pause, you know, to use the pause and to let silence speak while that contestant decides if they're going to pass the remaining spins or press their luck one more time. You know, there are so many nuances to press your luck. And she's done just an outstanding job of not only learning the rules, but understanding the game. And those are two very different things in the world of game shows. So one of my next questions is I'm curious about what this process is for you as a host, like from the start of the beginning uh, through a tape day, what does that process look like for you? And I'm sure it's different, even based on the shows that you've done. I mean, going from The Price is Right Live, Family Game Night, Hollywood uh, Showdown, Whammy, you know, how did those processes differ if you were taping Whammy versus Hollywood Showdown? Yeah, well, you know, I guess it's like any other television project. Um, you know, it all starts with with a phone call or an email and is this something you'd be interested in reading for or meeting about most of the time it is you know hopefully the people that are around you know you well enough to to kind of filter out the things that maybe you're not right for or not interested in um and then it involves going in and meeting with the people who for months prior to that get together have been putting this together have been working on this, developing the concept. Um, many times by the time I get there, set pieces have already been built. Tape days have already been scheduled. And uh, then you got to step, you got to walk out on that stage and you got to do it. And it's, you know, anything in this industry, I think, you know, I'm only speaking for myself, but uh, when I do an audition or, uh, a test show or shoot a pilot. It's like trying on a, a, a pair of pants. You know, sometimes they fit perfectly, like Hollywood Showdown did, Whammy did, uh, Family Game Night did. Other times, you kind of got to suck in your gut just to get the button to to latch. <laughs> you know, and uh, and the pants are on. They they fit, but it's not the most comfortable you've ever been. But you'll wear them, you know, and you'll you'll wear them the best you can and cash that paycheck because we all have families to feed. But uh, 
it's that moment when you walk on the stage and you actually do the first run through where you really know if this is going to be something special. And then the rest is just Hollywood magic. It's, you know, getting, getting fit for your suits or whatever they have you wearing, getting a little bit of makeup on, um, going, you know, pulling into your parking spot, going into your dressing room, seeing your name on the door, uh, hearing the announcer call your name and going out on the stage and, and giving the people what they came there to see and hopefully doing the best job that you, that you possibly can. And that's all you can do from there. It's up to the game show gods. You know, the, the people are either going to watch it, tune in, show up, or they're not. And like I said before, you know, the, the, the audience is always the boss. The audience is the one that I listen to because they're the ones that keep the lights on. Um, it's not somebody in a corner office somewhere telling you how things should be done. It's the viewers, the listeners, the subscribers that will tell you if what you're doing is either a home run or, you know, needs to be flushed. So, um, you know, from start to finish, you just hope that you get a nice long run. And I remember when we did the hundredth episode of family game night, you know, and I didn't even know it was the hundredth episode. Uh, they brought out a cake afterwards and I was like, wow, that hundred episodes went by fast. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a process, but, but before you know it, you're on to something else. Uh, and you're looking back fondly at all these projects, which is, you know, what I'm doing with you right now. You know, of course, Whammy is a big part of my life and Hollywood Showdown, but I don't stop often and reflect on them. I should probably do it more, but it's uh, it's nice whenever I'm reminded of how much those shows meant to people. Goodness, I, especially for me, I think game shows was a way for me to be able to connect to other people. Um, it was a way for me to kind of connect even with my parents at first, because I remember as a child, we had a little like Nielsen TV book. And so you had to write down like what TV shows that you were watching. And mine was nothing but GSN. So I'm sure they looked at it and was like, there's no way this child watches nothing but game shows. And the answer is yes. That's all I watched as a child. Um, and I absolutely loved it. And it, it went from just being this fascination as a child to a career goal. Um, you know, that's why I wanted to do this interview series because this is more than just, oh, let's have casual conversations. I am genuinely working on trying to achieve this life goal of mine. And yeah. the best way to learn about how to get there is to talk to the people who have done it. Talk to the people who who do this work day in and day out and figure out what strategies I can put into place to set myself up for success. Well, I think I think you're right. I, I think that uh, you know you you can't you can't sit on the sidelines and 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 hope for something that's never going to come to you. There are far too many people uh, that want to do things along this these lines uh, to just sit back and wait. It's like that Garth Brooks song, you know, nothing comes to those who stand outside the fire. You know, you got to get in there and and make yourself vulnerable. Um, but in keeping with that, you know, with that vulnerability comes excitement and comes thrills that are incomparable and unparalleled. Uh, I, I, you know, I think the best piece of advice I could give anyone who wants to do anything like this is to 
keep your eyes on the ultimate goal, but understand that in the end, it's all about the small victories and giving yourself the gift of enjoying the whole process of it. You know, I look back on a 30 plus year career now, and I think about what I remember most is not, you know, what kind of money I made or, or, you know, people stopping me in the airport. What I think back on are the friendships I made, the, the rush that I would get when I'd hear my name announced from Randy West or Gary Kroger or any one of these incredible announcers I had the pleasure of, of working with. Um, that's the win. That's, that's the thrill. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm almost 52 years of age here, you know, and I've always said at 55, 56, I'm, I'm kind of going to, I'm going to semi-retire. I'm just going to live my life doing what I want to do, being with my family, living by the beach where I want to live and, and, uh, you know, rescuing a few animals, writing some books, doing some, doing some side projects, podcasting. But, um, you know, I, I guess I never really cared about fame or fortune. I just wanted to, you know, I, I wanted to be the guy that people looked at and, and said, boy, you know, judging by the dumb grin on his face, that guy's having a hell of a time doing whatever it is he's doing, you know? And I think, uh, I, I think I've done that, you know, I, I, I think I've done that. And I, I'm a big, I'm a big student of Dean Martin. I think Dean Martin was probably the greatest entertainer of the past 100 years, you know, whether it was his singing or his live shows or his acting, I just think he was the king. And I just had his daughter on my podcast last week. And Dean had a quote along those same lines. You know, Dean said uh, he just wants to be remembered as a pretty good entertainer, as someone who put a smile on people's faces, like you said, and uh, that people enjoyed. You know, that was all he wanted, just wanted to be pretty good. And um, I think that's what I want too. You know, I just I, I want people to realize that I had a great time. I love my life. It's family first for me. Uh, animals second, and career third. You know, I uh, it's just I found my sweet spot, and I never I never got out of it. And I think that's the secret. If you can find your sweet spot, what makes you happy, and what scratches your professional desire, that itch, I think you've won. I think that's the that's the golden ticket. I am just amazed at how humble you are about all this. I mean, you are, like I said, you are a, a legend, an icon to me. And a lot of oh, what you have man. spoken about so far has been about even when it comes to your presentation skills and you're hosting for people, you know, it's not about, I am the star. It's about the show. It's about the people you are very centric about the conversations that you have. And I, I mean, even that's what your podcast tagline is about, you know, you are focused on having conversations with other people and, and it shows, yeah. I mean, it shows in all of your, your years of experience and just hell, how comfortable I am even talking to you, like as a simple lay person, I mean, it, it just, it amazes me how this feels like a conversation like we could have had been having this for years, but this is the first time yeah. I've met you. It is truly amazing to experience. Well, I appreciate that. That means a lot to me. And, and you know, this, this Emmy Award right here that, uh, that I won in 2012, I, I, I think um, what puts it all in perspective is when I heard my name called for that, 
And I went up onto that stage at the Beverly Hilton in, in Beverly Hills, and I, I was looking out at all these faces that I had watched forever in daytime television and game shows, um, talk shows. All I could think about was watching The Price is Right with my grandmother in St. Louis and telling my kids that I would be home in a couple of days because I was living on the East Coast and I flew to LA for the, for the awards. And uh, when I got up there and that's all that was going through my mind, I was like, well, this is how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to think about the important things and the important people. And to me, the important people were my kids and my grandmother and the important things were getting home safely to my family, you know? And I was just really fortunate to be able to do it with that beautiful trophy in tow. So your, your head's in the right place and your eyes are pointed in the right direction, man. You know, it's, it's, you know, the people that do it for the money, the people that do it because, uh, I, I used to say because they want to be famous. Now, I guess you have to say because they want to, you know, have millions of social media followers. I don't see the value in that, but, <laughs> but, uh, that's just me being 52. But those people are off track, man. They're not, you know, they're not, they're not dancing to the right tune. You got to do it because it makes you feel good and because it makes others feel good. It's all that matters. When we're dead and gone, nobody's going to care how famous you were or how many autographs you signed. All they're going to care about is if you were a nice guy or a nice woman. Um, and so, you know, we focus on that. And I think good things come to those types of people and um, dreams may change along the way. You know, when I was a kid, all I wanted to be was a DJ on the radio. I never thought I'd be a television game show host. It didn't The concept wasn't there until I, you know, hit 21, 22 years of age. So it's just, it's, it's about perspective and it's about focus and integrity and self-respect and family and love and all those things. Not to sound preachy, but that's just, you know, that's what I've discovered, you know, during this 31 year dance that I've been doing in Hollywood. So I have to ask, I mean, what's next for you? I know you're still currently working on your podcast, um, uh-huh. which, Oh my, and then also I have already gone on Amazon and purchased your book. Uh, so can't oh, wait for that to come in so I can start reading that as well. But yeah, like you. what I know you're talking about that kind of semi-retirement in a couple of years. So are we just looking just to kind of calm down and relax and enjoy life? Uh, what is your yeah, next well, step for you? Yeah, there's definitely a, a, a part of that, but you know, podcasting is going to continue to grow. Um, you know, we've, we've enjoyed, uh, some nice success with the host with the most podcasts. It's, it's weekly now, and uh, we're getting some great people on the show, which is exciting for me uh, because, again, I did start my career in radio, and I'm going back to radio. I'm starting a, a syndicated morning radio show here in the next 30 days, which, uh, which I'm beyond excited about. I've got a wonderful co-host, a woman by the name of Maria Todd, and we're going to be on in stations, on stations across the country, uh, so every morning, you know, I'll be up bright and early with my uh, hot cup of Huckleberry coffee and Dean Martin, the cat, you know, probably <laughs> crawling all over me here. But it's it's great to go back into radio. 
and, and to do it on a syndicated basis. You know, we won't be we won't be local in every city we're in, but we will be live. So instead of communicating with just one city, I'm communicating with multiple towns across this great country, and that's going to be a real thrill for me. Uh, that's that's something that I that I'm sinking my teeth into and giving everything I've got to because I want to develop that. I want to grow that. And uh, the podcast as well. The podcast will be, you know, under that same umbrella. But, um, you know, when I trademarked the name, the host with the most, I knew I wanted to build that into something. I knew I wanted that to be my brand. And it's, uh, it's the title of one of my books. It's the name of my company. It's, it's the name of the podcast. And uh, we've got another book coming out uh, by in the summer. It'll be out by the 2nd of July. It's called Pinky Rings and Cocktails. It's, uh, it's, it's a fictional autobiography about a show business icon that uh, I've been working on for about a year and a half. And I just finished it on a trip to Paris about two weeks ago. So I'm really excited to get that in print and get that out. But um, yeah, I, 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 I'll never stop completely, but I am definitely shifting uh, and I'm not doing half twos thing, uh, half two things anymore. I'm only doing get twos, you know. So I don't feel like I have to do anything anymore. Everything from here on out is just going to be things that I get to do with people that I get to work with. So uh, it's a uh, it, it's a great time and it's exciting time. And you know, if there's been any silver lining to this pandemic, it's been the fact that. Okay, I can sit down in front of the computer. I can finish this book. I, you know, I, I wrote this book in 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 literally in notebooks uh, during my travels. So to be able to convert it and, and see it in print is going to be a real thrill. And to be able to broadcast from you know our razzle dazzle studios over here is just a real kick. So that uh, you know, I, I'm not looking to leave that. I'm, I'm looking to to ride that to the wheels fall off. Wow. Well, I can definitely say I am very excited to see what happens next for you in your career, sir. And thank you. I have, I think, just one more final question for you. Um, I have to ask this as a game show geek. <laughs> Has there ever been any game show that you were like, I would love to just do one episode of this show? Oh, yeah. Price is right. Oh, most definitely. Back in 2007, when Mr. Barker stepped away. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, there was, you know, I, I gave everything I had to that show. And I'll, I'll leave you with this story. I haven't told too many people this, but I was, um, I, I was given the opportunity to do not one pilot taping, but two. I got to do two tapings of The Price is Right on the Bob Barker stage there. And uh, to walk through those iconic doors in front of a live audience was a th the thrill of thrills. And uh, I knew that there were a handful of other guys auditioning for that. Uh, George Hamilton, John O'Hurley. Um, I think Rosie O'Donnell was even in the mix there for a while. And, and there were uh, two or three other people whose names escape me now. But they were all much bigger names than I was. Mario Lopez, much bigger names than I was. So I was lying in my bed the night before. And of course, I had the usual butterflies. And I was, you know, but I knew the games I was going to be playing and I was comfortable. I'd been playing them on the stage show. So that, that wasn't a worry. Uh, I wasn't concerned about audience interaction, contestant interaction. I'd been doing that forever. That was fine. But 
I was afraid that I was going to walk through those doors and the audience was going to be expecting to see Bob Barker and they see this guy, you know, who's this guy? So I got out of bed at 4.30 in the morning. I took a shower. I walked my dog and I drove to CBS Television City. I got there right around six. And of course, there were 50 to 100 people camped out on the park on the sidewalk hoping to get tickets to the prices right. I parked my car and I got out and I went down that line and I introduced myself to every single person in line. I said my name's Todd Newton. You probably don't know who I am. You've never heard of me, but I'm auditioning today to step into the shoes of Mr. Barker, who I consider a mentor. And this is the biggest day of my professional career. And I promise you, I'm going to give you everything I've got. I know what I'm doing. And I'm going to be the best that I can be out there. I just didn't want you to be disappointed that Bob is not here. And uh, of course, there were a few people that were bummed that they weren't going to get to see the greatest game show host of all time. But all in all, it was a supportive group. And they were encouraging And when I walked through those doors, it was such a thunderous standing ovation and welcome that in a second, a millisecond, every bit of nervous energy I may have had evaporated. And I knew that I was among friends. I knew it. And the tapings were great, great. Now, of course, Drew came along and you know, knocked everybody else out of the water. I mean, he was Drew Carey. He had a successful show on. He was doing a primetime game show that was doing well at the time. And he was the, the you know, the, the, the rightful choice at the time. But um, yeah, if, if, if I could go on television and host one episode of one show, it would definitely be Price. And I'd love to play Golden Road and I'd love to play, you know, race game. And I'd love to do, of course, Plinko as the final game. I I would love to do it on the television set Uh, just because I've done it so many times on stage. It it would be fun to, you know, just kind of add that silver bullet to my gun. But that would that would be the one. Price is right. Nobody holds a a sec a close second. All righty, sir. Um, so before we wrap up, I want to ask, is there anything you'd like to promote for our fans? You know, I would just, uh, first of all, like to thank you for having me on. You're an excellent interviewer, and uh, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Uh, the only thing I would I would share with your, with your fans and your listeners is uh, I hope that they will add the Host with the Most podcast to their uh, their subscription list, shows that they tune into. We're, you know, we're a weekly show, 30 Minutes. Uh, We're in and out. We give you great conversation. And uh, the books that I've written that you were so kind to mention, uh, I'm very proud of those books. But what I'm most proud of is that 100% of the proceeds, and I mean every single penny, goes directly to Parkinson's disease research, the Michael J. Fox Foundation. So, um, you know, hopefully folks will order both the books and, and enjoy them and share them. Uh, maybe buy them for someone else, but uh, hopefully they'll also realize that they're doing something good. And and uh, from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you giving me some time and uh, for all of your kind words. It's really meant a lot. Thank you. Well, thank you, sir, for taking the time out of your very busy and hectic schedule just to have this conversation with me. I can't 
tell you how much I appreciate it. And especially after having grown up and watching you for years to be able to just have a, a casual conversation and talk about something that I'm so passionate about and get these yeah. words, affirmation and inspiration from you is so very, very more than I could put into words, how much it means to me. So thank you. Well, I wish you continued success and uh, I, I hope all of your dreams come true. And I hope that you uh, are able to recognize the little wins that come along the way too. Those are sometimes the most special. Thank you. All right. And with that, folks, this is the end of this episode of Keep It 100 with Dakota and Chorsey. So if you enjoyed what you heard, please feel free to follow us on social media at Keep It 100 underscore pod on Twitter and on Instagram. And you can check out our website at ki100pod.com for any updates, casting information. Uh, We're also hosting a search to produce a new podcast. You can find all the information on the website. Take care, everyone, and cue music. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Keep It 100 with Dakota and Chorsey. We want to welcome to the Keep It 100 family our amazing executive producer, Zachary J. Bailey, and our talented audio editor, Evdoxia Ragu. We would also like to thank our dear, dear friend, Isri Vijay Sundara, for all of her support on our show. Remember to keep it nasty and keep it 100. <laughs>